VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, this is Jill from the Container Store. Oh. Is there something wrong? I just thought a virtual designer would be a cool robot. I could do a robot voice if that helps. Maybe? Hi, I am Jill. Let's design. Nope, absolutely not. Regular voice, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at impressions. Enjoy free virtual in-home closet design and up to 25% off closet systems with the Container Store's custom closet sale. The Container Store, where space comes from. Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you because we talk about everything on It's Time. Current events, film, TV, President Trump, other politics, sex, drugs, rock and roll. I say that because it's no-holds-barred radio, folks. And here we go with a hell of a show. Toyota's Labor Day sales event is ending soon. Save big with 0% APR on 13 of Toyota's top-selling models like RAV4, Camry, and Corolla. Don't wait. Toyota's Labor Day sales event ends Monday. Toyota, let's go places. Click the banner or visit buyatoyota.com. Starting now. Here we are with Steven Wonderboy Thompson, one of my favorite UFC fighters, one of my favorite people in the UFC to talk to, to meet. I call him a friend. It's great to watch him as he matures and is fighting Everything he does, getting greater and greater with everything he performs in the octagon and who he performs with, which is one of the reasons we have today coming off a fight in Liverpool, England a couple of weeks ago against Darren Till. Stephen, how are you? Doing great, my friend. Glad to be on with you. Always good to have you on. How's your dad? How's everything? How's post-fight awareness and, and feeling? Man, you know what? Yeah, family's great. Pops, of course, you know, we're a little disappointed in, in uh you know, what happened last weekend, and, you know, I thought I had, had did enough to pull off the fight, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, and we're back at the grind, and, um, you know, I have a little knee injury, actually, and got an MRI. I'm actually getting an MRI on it tomorrow, so we'll find out the full extent of what's going on with the knee, um, but and, and go from there, you know? All right, we'll stop the presses a second. Let's hold back. Okay, the knee. What are you feeling in the knee? Certainly, I'm very familiar with knee injuries. Um what are you feeling, Stephen? What do you, do you have any idea? Do they give you any inclination as to what you might be looking at before you get the MRI? Yeah, so um, we looked at the doctor. Well, actually, looked at my knee doctor. I've had four knee surgeries on my left knee and two on my right, so I'm kind of familiar with the knees as well, man. I'm right there with you, brother. But uh, uh, we're looking at a, an MCL tear uh, mm-hmm. in the in the second round of the Till fight. He kicked, did a side kick straight into my straight into my leg, and um, I don't know if you noticed, I, I kind of backed up and shook it off a little bit. Yep. yep. Um, I felt some crunching after the fight and, uh, it definitely, you know, kept me from doing a lot of my angle changes and, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, a lot of variety kicks that I throw, it kept me from doing that because I had to focus on, you know, keeping the knee stabilized during the fight at the same time, trying not to get punched in the face, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. It, uh, um, man, you know, it, it's rough. And, and so we're looking at an NCL tear and hopefully we're going to go in and, and um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Nothing else is, is damaged. And because uh, the MCL will heal, heal on its own. Yeah, absolutely. No, my fingers are crossed for you, too. And, it, and it's interesting you brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. I remember that kick. You know, I've got one of the best seats in the house. I get to see it from different angles. And I remember, I don't want to call it a, a tepid or tentativeness on your end, but the leg that was injured, is that your balanced leg? Is that your, is that your leg you're usually on kicking with the other? Is that your um, stabilizer? Yes, it is. It is. I, okay, I throw, yeah. you know, I throw my right. I throw my right leg more than I do my left. I do throw both legs, but yeah. my most powerful leg is my right leg, and my left leg is my stabilizer leg. So it's very difficult for me to actually pull some of the kicks off, just for fear that you know, extending that leg just a little bit, my leg would just collapse on me. And 
you know, it's one of those things, Hey, do I want to throw it risk ripping everything, you know, and you know, my ACL and everything and be out for another, you know, two years, three years, that could be career ending, you know? So of course. I was like, let's hold off on the kicks. Let's focus on just the, just the movement and, and, um, you know, tr- the counter punching. So that was the whole plan kind of going out there after that, after that sidekick to the knee. Exactly. And I noticed, you know, listen, Steve, you are naturally a counter striker. There's no question. Um, when I noticed the tenderness after that, was that, you think one of the reasons for the relatively low number strike count overall over five rounds, just the fact that you missed throwing another 20 kicks during those five rounds was that, and, and also your punches because you've got to stabilize yourself on your punches too. So I'm assuming it also affected the amount of strikes you were able to throw from the second round on too, correct? It, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, I went back and watched the fight, you know, and I was like, man, I usually throw a lot more kicks than that. And, and it was because of, of, of the knee. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't step off the angles. You know, you, you know how I fight. I love the, the angles, uh, stepping to the right, stepping to the right, stepping to the left, trying to counter punch this guy. Um, it just made it really difficult to me for me to do anything. So I basically kind of had to stand there, back up, wait for him to throw something and then try and counter or try and throw something as he was throwing something. He loves to load up on that left hand. There's a few times out there. I just barely missed, um, you know, trying to hit him when he was throwing that left hand. But I would say it, it, it played a huge deal in, in me not throwing as much as I, I normally do. Yeah, I can see that. And, though, when you threw your right cross, which was just almost the perfect – standardized karate punch we learned you know becoming yellow belts just straightforward you know whether you're hitting the sternum or hitting the face but you connected with that now he connected with you too were you i'm sure you were surprised maybe not surprised by his size you certainly spent enough time with him with the pressers and everything else his punching power how was his punching power when he did hit you squarely and firmly you know he was a he's a pretty powerful guy it wasn't the fact that he was very strong. It was just that he just had a, it was just a big mass in front of you. You know, right. when you think of strength, like uh, what comes to mind is, is tiring strength. Like he's not a very tall guy, but he's just, he's got a strength to him. Like uh, a two Oh five should have, you know, like when he grabs you, you can feel the strength behind him mm-hmm. with kill. It wasn't the fact that he was really strong. He was just a bigger body in front of you. Normally when I throw my kicks and my punches, people move, like I, I can move them. You know, I hit you, even if you block it, I can still move you with my punches. With him, it was just, a, it was like hitting a brick wall, basically. Um, I blitzed him a few times in the first round, and I just kind of bounced off of him. Right. Um, so, yeah, it, you could definitely tell the, the size, uh, the difference. He was a bigger mass, but he, I don't think he was the strongest guy I faced in the welterweight division. Gotcha. Now, with that being said, were you surprised by the decision? Before I read the decision, I'm in the octagon, you know, everybody's getting post-fight acclimated to what's about to happen. Did you feel confident that you won the decision? I mean, what was your honest take? Not that you're never honest. That's one thing I like about you. You're always honest. But what was your take at that moment before I voiced the winner? How did you feel? You know, uh, when I went back to the, the, the corner at the fifth round, I was like, all right, I got this. I mean, it was close, but I believe I pulled it off. But mm-hmm. then I, I, I stopped and I listened to the crowd. I remembered where I was. You know, I'm in this guy's hometown. I'm like, man. You know what? I believe the, uh, you know, they're going to give this fight fight to Darren. You know, just listening to the crowd, being in his hometown, um, it's, it was almost like I had to go out there and knock this guy out, really, to, you know, to, to beat this guy. But um, the fight was close. I felt like I pulled it off. I, I believe I I threw more strikes than him. And, but um, you know, um, can be wrong, man. Sometimes you out there and you feel like you know you're winning, but you're really not. You know what I'm saying? I actually haven't gone back and watched the full fight. I watched up until I, in, I the knee injury. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, it, you know, this is the fight game. This is what happens. It's what you gotta, you know, this is why you're in the game. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it's close and you don't get it. And uh, you just gotta keep, you know, stay on the grind and, and keep moving forward. Exactly. Uh, until he's a, he's definitely a tough guy, man. He's a tough guy. Um, he definitely has to get the gab, and that's what you know the fans love it. Um, uh, and to be honest with you, the people from Liverpool are actually really great. I mean, just, just that one night, where, as I was walking out to the octagon, they were booing, but they were like, hey, man, give me a high five, and booing me at the same time. <laughs> hey, you know, the- hey, real quick, if you, don't, if you don't mind, I'd like to jump in here and, and oh, talk okay. about some numbers because, uh, you know, Stephen, I'm, I'm with most of the MMA media, and I think the intelligent fight fans that watched this fight, thinking that you 
won. I, I, I mean, it, it was sort of close. I'm sorry. The, the biggest robbery part about this is anybody scoring this bout uh, 49-46 for Darren Till. This is not uh, the case. But, uh, Stephen, are you familiar with the website called MMADecisions.com? You know what? I wasn't familiar with it until after this fight. Right. Everybody was, was, <laughs> was sending me to this link, was sending me to this link. There was, what, how many, 25 journalists? That, yeah, 25. That kind of the fight, I think. Yeah, 25 outlets yeah. with 22 of them scoring the fight for you. 22 out of 25. Is there any sort of, wow. like, moral victory in this in the idea that, you know, from all the journalists out there, even to, you know, former referee Big John McCarthy, who broke down the criteria for scoring rounds quite nicely on his Twitter saying that you won this fight. It seems like everybody knows that what they're looking at, uh, they, they believe that you won except the judges in Liverpool. It, exactly. You know, and that, that does give me some comfort, even though I don't have that official win, but I, 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 it does give me some comfort that, you know, everybody else believes I won it. You know, even the, even the guys that are really experienced, uh, John McCarthy, you know, everybody's saying kind of wrote the rules a little, you know, of, of the, the scoring, you yeah. know, gave it to me, and uh, you know, watching the the reaction from the uh, the Fox panel um, that were covering that night, even Michael Bisming thought it was thought it was the other way around. I should have won it. Um, you know, that does give me that does put a smile on my face. You know, and and it, and it kind of fires me up to train harder. So next time I step out there, I don't leave it in the judge's hands. Exactly. You know, and to be humble in, de in defeat is just one more step towards greatness, in my opinion. And also, too, when you see Darren Till at the post-fight presser, he's another one that voices opinion. I mean, the humbleness in him in his hometown where he could have taken that mic and, you know, pulled a McGregor-type attitude or whatever, um, you know, where nothing else matters except him, he basically stated... I matter, but you matter too. And he said, you should be the one to fight the winner of Colby Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos, who are fighting for the interim welterweight title this Saturday. So a kudos to, to Darren for being as humble as that and offering you that chance. I personally have never seen, and TJ, tell me if you have, I've never seen a fighter at a pro fight uh, conference throw the reward and uh, at, while he's at the dais over to his opponent who got the losing decision. That's the first time for me, unless I'm missing something in history, TJ. No, nothing. That, no, man, that, that, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was super cool that he did that, you know, and, and, you know, he knew what he did was wrong, not making weight, and I understand there was, you know, things in his life that were going on, and, um, but, you know, hats off to him too, man. I mean, he, he, he's the one that voiced out. He wanted to step up there against the number one contender being ranked number eight, came out, you know, with the, with the win. So hats off to him. And he's a tough guy and I can see him going far for real, man. I mean, he's right number two right now. So we'll, we'll see where he goes from here. Is it, is exactly. it a fight you want back, Steven? Would you want that to be your next fight if they offered it to you? Well, we'll got, I would love to, uh, you know, anybody in the top five, Darren Till, anybody in the top five, Robbie Lawler would be an awesome one as well. I mean, I know he, he's coming off with a knee injury. I'm coming off with a knee injury. So, you never know that we that it might be perfect timing. You know, we, uh, there's been a lot of fans that have been saying, "Hey, man, uh, you, you need to get that fight with Robbie. You need to get that fight with Robbie." So you never know, man. I mean, you got of course you got Usman in the mix. You have so many guys in the world for the division. It's crazy who's coming up. You know, Ponzinibbio, who's a monster as well. So it could be anybody. I mean, I was ranked number one and I fought number eight. So it could be it could be it, any any one of these guys. And I cannot take any of these guys lightly because they're. They're all just monsters. That's why I love the welterweight division. I love being in the welterweight division. Not only is it the toughest division, I think, the most stacked division, and I'm still ranked in the top five. And I, I'm like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, to be honest with you. <laughs> love, your, love your attitude, Stephen. Forever humble. Like I said, always to be humble is step towards being greatness. And, or, or achieving greatness, excuse me. You just said that like a Russian, I think. That was, that was some... <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm getting ready for Moscow. What can I tell you? I got to start working on this thing. Exactly, you know? man. Yeah, He's I working mean, I got, on it. He's working. Absolutely. I'm going to have a little vodka tonight, working on it a little harder. You know, it's just the way it is. Bruce, we have problem. I hear you. Oh yeah. Nobody <laughs> gets that memory. inside joke, but I love it. No, no, that's that's one for the books. I'll tell I'll tell that to Stephen on another day. There you go. Um, so Stephen, you know, one of the greatest things that happened that night, aside from you gracing the octagon with Darren, was your walk in. Okay, the, the the walk to the octagon. Number one, 
the song Wonder Boy and your entrance is always one of my top favorite entrances. I love that song. I have a question. Pardon me if I asked you this last time you were on the show. Where does the nickname Wonder Boy come from, number one? And number two, does it have anything to do with the baseball movie by Robert Redford called The Natural? <laughs> I, I get that a lot. First of all, I got to say, I, I'm honored to be in your top five greatest walkouts. That is just, it's, that's awesome. You it's awesome. My day. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what? I've, I've, I was 15 years old when I had my first full contact kickboxing fight. I started my full contact training at the age of 12, but I was 15. You had to be 16. We lied about my age. And I fought a guy who was 20 and 0. He was 26 years old, I believe. He was undefeated. And I think it was a kind of way for my dad to show me that I was better than what I thought I was. Because I'm, you know, I started my kickboxing training being a sparring partner for my sister. And she just kicked my ass all the time, all the time. So I thought I was horrible, you know. So I went out there and beat the brakes off this guy. And I looked like I was 12 at the time. And the announcer asked my opponent, said, man, what do you think about this guy, Stephen Thompson, this kid? He's like, I wondered why I stepped in the ring with his boy. And the announcer called me Wonder Boy. We had a bunch of our, our uh, karate parents and students there, and, and it's just stuck with me ever since. And, uh, you know, I, I've had my brothers are, are huge Jack Black fans, you know, uh, right. uh, Tenacious D fans. And they've been asking me for years to walk out to Tenacious D. And it's not one of those songs that just fires you up, but it puts a smile on my face. Every time I step out, every time I walk out, it just, it, it just, it puts me in this mood, man. And, and it, it's like, nothing can touch me. Nothing, nothing bothers me. Not the booze in the crowd, um, the cheers. It just puts a smile on my face and it kind of gets me in that zone, ready to go out there and have some fun. You know, one well, thing gotta... that I think too, if, if you ever walk second, which you, you have plenty of, uh, times in your career, if someone's like a real fired up, like metal head kind of guy, like hip hop head, you know, is in the octagon waiting for you to walk. It could almost be deflating for them, Stephen, to have to listen to that because it's such a, a non-fight-related song, Wonder Boy by Tenacious D. I kind of like the idea that it's almost like a, a like a byproduct of, of using it, like deflating uh, the mentality <laughs> of your, your opponent has to sit there and wait. Yeah. You know, I've never thought about it that way, but I can see how that could work, man. You know, that mental warfare before you step out, they just kind of deflate their, their you know, them from getting fired up. It's like, wait, what is this guy listening to right now? Mind you know, bullets. I, I, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Mind, <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, and actually, I'm the one that's beaming too. If you look at me in the octagon, it's like, I, I swear to God, Steve, but every time I hear that song, I'm naturally just grinning ear to ear. It just puts me in a really good space. So keep it up. Don't change it. And if you change it, it's all about what's best for you. You know, your background. Your, your martial arts background, okay? You have a fifth-degree black belt in Kempo, similar to Chuck Liddell, his training in Kempo. Now, I'm reading that you have a first-degree black belt. It says jiu-jitsu. Are you a first-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu? No. This is a, a Japanese jiu-jitsu that I did years ago. Uh -huh. um, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's a Japanese-style jiu-jitsu. Kind of, it's almost like a, you know, you have judo, and then you, and then once you throw your opponent to the ground, you're allowed to submit your opponent, end up coming over the wind. So right. it's just the ground aspect of it. So it was, it was very basic. It wasn't as high level, I don't think, as Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but um, it did help me tremendously whenever I transferred over to Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I did have some of that ground. So I actually put that on the back burner for years because I was just focused on the kickboxing aspect. Just, it's just my stand-up, you know? Because at right. the time, kickboxing was fairly, was more popular than the MMA back, back then. And I'm saying back then, like it was a long time ago, but it really wasn't. But, um, you know, it, it did help me, actually, whenever I started, when I made that choice, hey, I want to switch from kickboxing to mixed martial arts. And I kind of went back to that only because I wanted to be a better sparring partner for, for St. Pierre, somebody who was my inspiration to switch from kickboxing to MMA. He was it. Like, so I started getting back into Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, you know, and, and wrestling, doing more of the wrestling just to be a better sparring partner for him. Uh, very I, cool. I had a chance we to interview Pedro Valente, who is the foremost sort of historian on uh, Elio Gracie. Uh, he's a black belt and uh, trains in Florida and has a gym down there. And he, he talks about the principles of Japanese jiu-jitsu and how it kind of gets lost in the evolution of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But you know, even this man who is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and sings the praises of Elio Gracie, he, he goes back and talks about how Elio and the, and the Gracie family uh, talked a lot about, you know, 
modifying Japanese jiu-jitsu and, and the core principles. It's not a, a worthless martial art by, by any means, and it's kind of cool to hear you sort of sing the praises of that traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu as well. No, it's very cool. And also, two yeah. people have to understand, too, that you're a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and under none other than Carlos Machado. You know, the Machados are great at jiu-jitsu, as we all know. So oh, you're, you're, gosh. You're, yeah, he's awesome. He's incredible. Your pedigree is huge, high, huge, whatever the proper term is. Um, you're definitely what is considered to be an all-around mixed martial arts fighter. One last question regarding your style. They list you as a southpaw. Now, personally, when I trained, the many years I trained, I always tried to equate left side, right side. If I could do it from my right side, being a regular foot, being regular stance, I wanted to be able to achieve the same moves from my left side, which was great for the fighting and the sparring, the kickboxing and all that. I watch you fight. You seem just as adept on both sides. Would you say that you're equal to your ability to throw on each side or more of a 75-100 combo? You know what? It, it, that's a very, very good question because there are things that I throw better my left side than I do my right side and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, certain kicks I can throw better with my right, my right leg than I do my left. But there are some things that I can do with my left leg that I can't do with my right. That not as good as my right leg. So in that aspect, I would still say I'm I'm like fifty fifty. You know, I can I, I mean I can do, uh, you know, I can, and and really and uh, a lot of it depends on who I'm fighting as well. Determines what side I keep mostly forward. You know, or sometimes I want to be, you know, if my opponent gets you, I feel like they're getting used to my stance. You know, in the earlier rounds, I'll switch it up in the in the later rounds. So like I can throw my right my right hand a whole lot more powerful because I'm right-handed, but my left is is more accurate for some reason. So you know there's there's a lot of things that um, uh, I can do better one side than I do the other. So it, right. that you know I never really stopped to think about that. Um, um, that, that was a very good question. <laughs> well, it's actually good that you, it's actually good you don't stop to think about it because that way you'll throw it faster. Okay, so don't think too much about it. It's Boom. instinct, instinct, I like where my you're man. Exactly. Yes, sir. What? I agree. Now, and, I've always you know, you're, you're starting to see. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You're no, starting no, to ahead. see more guys, more guys doing that. And I was, I'm, I'm always wondered why, you know, coaches don't teach their guys both sides. And I, and I've come to the conclusion that I guess it's just easier for them to hold the mitts or whatever when guy when guys just work one side. You know, just so think I don't back. Know why you know boxers do that, or or even Muay Thai guys do that. Just think back to Rocky too, when when Rocky was training, they tied down his right arm and forced him to fight from his left because in the middle of the fight with Apollo Creed in about the tenth round, they changed and boom, he took it over. Of course, that's a movie, but you know what? The reality is, I think it's best to be able to fight from both sides. I think you should be able to and train appropriately. Just just my thought, you know. And some people can't though, Stephen. Some people are incapable of throwing from the side that they're not normally throwing from. And that's just the nature I of the agree. piece. Yeah. So take advantage and, of being one, better. One, oh, yeah. And one fight that really stands out the most when I, when I think about that is, I think it was the WCE days when Uriah Faber fought uh, Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. And Jose Aldo was just crossing his leg. And he tried to switch sides, but he couldn't. He kept switching back. And he, and he lost from, from getting kicked in the leg, that same leg, because he wasn't able to switch sides. I right. think he was able to switch sides and throw from his other side, he, he would definitely have lasted longer at least, you know, but, Absolutely. um, that, that, that fight always comes, comes to mind and you just got more weapons in your arsenal. Um, whenever you step on the octagon, whenever you step out there, you're able to do both sides and it's, and it's very tricky and very hard for your opponent to really figure out what you're going to do to try and figure you out. So, especially if it comes natural and you're not looking like you're forcing yourself to fight from that angle, you know, Steven, um, I wish you all the best. Your MCL, I'm going to give you the same advice I give every fighter I talk to, which is not anything new to you. Heal 100%, please, before you step back in so you don't have to deal with any agonizing, ongoing injuries. You've had enough knee injuries to understand that fact, much less any other injuries you have. I wish you all the best. Will you please give my best to your father, Ray? Tell him I said hello. I will definitely. I will definitely. And hope to see you during International Fight Week. We'll be there. So hopefully we'll get to see each other in person. And I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's always a pleasure. It's going to happen. Oh, by the way, did you ever get a, a King and Bay suit? Did, oh, did they... I've got several of them. I've yeah. got oh, several. You, I'm telling you, the, the best suits ever. I bought my dad one, and I got my brother's one. 
Um, wow. They're the best suits ever. And what's awesome is that they will come to your house and, and, and fit you. They're out in Toronto, I believe, right? Right. They're in Toronto, but they came to you, if I'm not mistaken. Amazing. Yeah. So oh, that's, yeah. They came, they came to me. It was awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. I've, TJ, I've told Stephen before he should, and I, I think you are already, Stephen, uh, dibble-dabbling a little modeling aspect, a little side angle to your career. Oh, yeah. 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 So I um, I signed with IMG. Who nice. I think they... Yeah, I signed with them and doing some pretty cool commercials with Express and Van Hughes. I just did a uh, a pretty cool thing with TJ Dillashaw and and yeah, man, I'm I mean I'm 35 years old, but I like to consider myself a young 35 year old and and uh, man, I'm, I'm I'm just along for the ride, brother, along for the ride. Enjoy the ride, and when you get my age at 61, you'll probably still have the same attitude that you consider yourself a young 61. It's a good attitude to have, Stephen. Good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. I wish I looked like you. I wish I looked like you. And, when I'm 60, man, are you kidding? You're gonna look a lot better, Stephen. You got nothing to worry about. So you're you're on the right track. It's all good. <laughs> all right, <laughs> well, thank thanks, you, brother. Guys. I appreciate everything, Stephen. You take care. I'll see you during fight week. Best to your family. Train hard. Train safe. Take care of that MCL and be the best you can be always, buddy. You got it, my friend. You guys enjoy and have a good one. Thanks, thank Stephen. you, Stephen. Cheers. There he is, Wonder Boy. Wonder Boy is Wonder Boy for many reasons. I've used that term humble, you know, on the interview more than a, a couple times. And I, I mean it. You know how you know how important it is to me that when people are great at what they do, that they don't shove it in your face. They right. just just be as great as they can be. And that's that's yeah. putting it in your face. It's like it's like, okay, this is not what I can do, what I did and how I can do it. I'll see you on the field on Sunday, superstar, and I'll prove it. Right. And that's exactly what Stephen Thompson is. No doubt Kudos about it. it. No doubt Kudos. about it. All right. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll chat with the coach of the reigning and defending uh, welterweight champion and, and Tyron Woodley. However, there's an interim title uh, being put into the mix. And then also, I think we'll see Duke Rufus in the corner of one CM Punk uh, coming up this Saturday night in Chicago. Exciting stuff. We'll be right back. And our next guest this week on His Time Radio is the former kickboxer, head coach of Rufus Sport Competition, a team based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, super known for the great fighters that have come out under the tutelage of Duke Rufus. Uh, you're also considered a great striking coach, which I know for sure is true based on your kickboxing background. He's the younger brother of kickboxer Rick the Jet Rufus, who I've had the pleasure of working with and announcing in the K-1s. Uh, of years past, but it's just a pleasure to have my friend Duke Rufus on the show. Duke, how are you? I'm great. It's uh, awesome to be on your show finally. I'm a big fan and uh, obviously love seeing you every uh, night I can in the octagon. You're always a new high for you. We need more 360s. We need more (laughs) 360 moments to come. And I need more pressure from people like you to do those 360s. So keep keep it keep it coming, Duke. But I'll, I'll still do the best I can. I just hit 61, Duke. So it might be a 350. Okay, but we'll we'll get it. Uh, all good. You look great for your age, my man. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Actually, it'll be a 380. I'm just kidding. So <laughs> listen. Duke, you, you're always beside the octagon, and, and I have the pleasure of sitting beside you as you're yelling instructions to your fighter, putting their blood, sweat, and tears in the octagon floor on any given night. This weekend, aside from <clears throat> coaching and, and teaching and training uh, the fine fighters you do, such as Tyron Woodley, the welterweight champion, of course, this weekend there's going to be an interim fight uh, between Colby Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos, which in turn they'll have to face Tyron. Uh, I would assume all things being equal, Tyron. But now, all right, you said it three times, Buff. I got to step in, Tyron, like Byron. If I don't, Tyron. the welterweight champ's gonna punch me in the arm next time I see him. Tyron, nah, nah, nah. Tyron, like Byron. He'll, he'll punch me in the arm or the face. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No, Tyron. Hi, Tyron. There you go. Okay, Tyron. There we go. So, excuse me, folks. Everybody's uh, capable of a little uh, uh, brain fart and mistake. So now, CM Punk is coming in. There was a tremendous amount of fanfare over CM Punk's first fight, coming over from the world of WWE, bringing hundreds of thousands of eyeballs, more so on the Octagon, watching the UFC pay-per-view on the night that he fought. Now he's coming back. He's the first fight on the main card. I forget exactly how long it's been since his last fight, and he's fighting a man that is zero and 0-1 in Mike Jackson. What can we expect from CM Punk that would be different from what we saw in CM Punk the last time that he entered the octagon. What what is your what are your plans for CM that you can talk to us about, Duke? Um, you know, just a much better prepared fighter guy for this task. I mean, 
you know, let's face it, he, he's a guy who is in a really unique situation that could say, hey, I'd love to fight in the UFC, I'd love to do MMA, and, you know, it was advantageous for both sides. Advantageous, obviously, for Punk, and very advantageous for the UFC because I believe besides Connor Ronda and John Jones, he's fourth on the pay-per-view draws, if I saw the stat correctly. So that being said, he's one of the guys that helps feed the rest of the fighters. Um, you know, he's just improved so much. This week I saw him peek out, and I'm like, wow. He's starting to anticipate those six sense things I like to talk about as a coach, his anticipation level, his seeing and making maneuvers on his own without necessarily second-guessing or us having to lead him to the solutions. He's making all of them. He looks fantastic, and let's face it, um, you know, you've been in martial arts a long time. An ass-kicking does a great job of making you do two things. You either quit or you have a choice to get better. And what Punk did was get better, go back to the drawing board, and get some better uh, chalk and erasers. And, you know, he's coming back to make a statement. On another note, um, he had a big legal case pending with the WWE doctor that he just won yesterday, uh, not guilty. And that's actually put a lot of, uh, you know, piss and vinegar in him. And he's got a lot of, you know, grit and grime coming into this one because uh, there's nothing worse than being accused of or your character being um attacked and he's a very character-based person most people would have ran and quit and got their little payday and moved on not him he's determined to be the best version of punk he can be and obviously uh mike jackson tough dude he can throw some hands it's a fist fight but uh we're coming to win an mma match well yeah i agree and first off before i get into his opponent who is a striker he's being matched up with a striker who I assume doesn't have a strong ground game, which is going to make for a more entertaining and test of a fight for CM Punk, in my opinion. But for the edification of our listeners, the court case that he was in, can you just break that down briefly a little bit, what what that was about and what the uh, Um, decision means for CM Punk, please? Well, obviously not the loss of money, you know, but secondly, you know, just the vindication of his character. He he had said some things on on a podcast about the doctor that he had presumed truthful. Um, from what I gather that, um, you know, some powers that be back the doctor and really pushed him to, you know, um, push this whole case on CM Punk. And, you know, it's over. It's done with. This chapter of his life is done. I'm really happy because um, how I started out with Punk, I met him in January 2013, the Thursday before Anthony Pettis fought Donald Cerrone in Chicago. Mutual friend of ours, Jail Sonnen, introduced ourselves. We all watched the the Ben Askren, Carl Amasu fight. And he's been interested in MMA for a while. He's been training in jiu-jitsu, doing some different things. And, and, you know, he had mentioned, you know, hey, if I ever do this, man, I'd love to train with you. And I'm like, oh, man, that's flattering. Well, you know what? He called me in on it. When he announced his uh, fight career, I was like, oh, cool. Punk's going to do this. The little do I know, he hits me up the next week. Hey, by the way, I'm coming up to train with you guys. I'm like, holy man, this guy seriously is a man of his word. And, um, you know, we've just always been cool friends. We got a lot of uh, the same outlooks on life and just hit it off. Uh, you know, when it comes to character and being a motivation to our other fighters, um, he, he's just a special guy. That being said, he's a special guy who's got the pressure on the whole world for him to go out there and win. You know, I feel, again, he, he's very prepared for the fight. Um, you know, he's stronger physically, emotionally, and spiritually coming into this. Um, you know, it's all martial arts until you fight. I love martial arts. It's one of my favorite things. I've been in martial arts my whole life. But the first thing I will say, and Bruce, you know this because you work in the fight business too. You're a martial artist. But when it comes to prize fighting, it's a different mindset than martial arts. And you know, in order to be a great fighter, I believe you got to be a great martial artist. But you can't be a great fighter if you're a martial artist if you don't have that. Um, as the chai, as the Thai people call it, it's called chai dam, the black heart. 
Mm-hmm. You got to want to take and put that other guy through the ground. Mm-hmm. Or like uh, Proximo said in Gladiator, when he said, some of you fight and some of you won't, you got to go stick that sword through. You know, in our sport, you got to have the, uh, the the figurative sword, your fists, your elbows, your knees, your shins, your feet, your chokes, your takedowns, your locks. you got to want to go uh, put it on the other man. And that's something that I feel through time as killer instinct has really picked up. You know, it's like you learn, unfortunately, a good beating will teach you how to beat someone else up. You know, if you, you, you don't like being the nail, so you'll quickly become the hammer. I I agree. I agree on all counts. Plus, one thing I'd like to add above all that, once you get that person in that position, you have to be a finisher, an absolute finisher. Until the fight is stopped, you don't stop. Not every fighter is a true finisher. You know what I mean? I know you know what I mean, Duke. Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. um, I'm blessed. My, my dad was my martial arts coach, but he was also our fight teacher. And one thing he taught Rick, myself, my brothers, my cousins, is, you know, the fans will love you when you knock people out. You finish fights. And, you know, there's two ways to have a safe career. Either some people believe have a really safe game plan. Me, I believe go in there, finish your opponent as fast as possible, and you'll live to fight many wars. You know, the longer the fight lasts, the more chance you have to losing, especially in MMA, because it is a dynamic sport where there's so many ways to win, so many ways to lose. So I think it's so important to be a finisher in this sport and the mentality, you know, the, you go out there, you, you get them. What I love about MMA compared to kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai is it is the safest form of mixed martial arts, meaning mm-hmm. combat sports. You go out there, you rough someone up, you can finish it quick. Sometimes you see many of fighters drop two, three, four times in a long prize fight and come back and it's very valiant of course i mean we think you know that's what rocky movies are made up made of and things of that nature but when you really look at the health and well-being of the fighters which i really am concerned as as a coach and you see that and it's just so much better for the fight to end so quick you're actually doing your opponent a favor by finishing them early i i agree and you know tj we just had as we just had three to four minute dissertation from the Yoda mind of Duke Rufus. <laughs> I love it. This is why so many fine fighters have come out of your stable and continue to fight like the warriors they be. Anthony Pettis, everybody you have that you're training. Uh, Tyron Woodley is another one. Correct, TJ? Did I correct? Tyron TJ. like Byron. Yes, Tyron Woodley. I got it. <laughs> Tyron Woodley. As, Byron. as we love Tyron. to call him, T. Wood. He, T. Wood. He's doing some powerful stuff. He's um, he, he's uh, manifesting his artistic side. So not only is he, um, you know, doing some acting, he uh, produces and directs his his, his champ camp. Those, you know, we have a we have a film a film a, a film a photographer filmographer who shoots everything. But you know, Tyron does all the cuts on that stuff. And as well, he's been um, doing some music as well. So um, it's you know you might see him hanging out with guys like Ludacris, Wiz Khalifa, um, Snoop Dogg. You can maybe smell smell what the tea wood is cooking. Yeah, I smell it right now, and we're going to hear about it in the near future. I can tell. Plus, he's got his gig with TMZ, which has now become a regular show. And again, as I term it, he's a fighter that thinks beyond his guns, and he's doing a great job at it. I'm sure you're highly supportive of that too. Uh, when do you get into? Oh, well, uh, um, Chicago, I get in actually. I'm coming in Thursday for a workout, and I'm coming back Friday because it's basically a home game for me. I'm an hour and fifteen train, and then uh, I'm I'm in Friday the whole weekend because I've got uh, Paul Felder, Anthony Pettis, um, one other fighter I can announce got a fight announced. Um, Jared Gordon moved here from New York. I'm trying to book a fight. Gerald Mearshart fights July sixth. So I got a slew of fighters are, who are in camp right now, and John McDessey as well. So I'm going to finish out the week here, and the rest of the coaching staff is in Chicago. Yeah, plus you have Sergio Pettis coming in to fight. Uh, Joseph Benavides coming back off injury for his fight in the flyweight division on the prelim. That's going to be an excellent fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, this, yeah. Is, this, is a, this is one of the craziest pay-per-views I've seen in a while. I know Joseph has been pretty up in arms about he wanted to be featured on the main card. I understand because he's – 
you know, his base, if Demetrius Johnson didn't win, he'd be, you know, be, exist. He'd be the UFC champion. You know, he's just, um, he's, he's kind of the Daniel Cormier to, this is their wrestling analogy to Kale Sanderson. You know, uh, Daniel Cormier, he didn't get all the accolades he wanted in amateur wrestling because he was behind in the same weight class as one of the greatest of all time. You know, and uh, I feel like how Joe Benavides says he's a, he's a, he's an incredible fighter who stuck behind Demetrius as is a lot of the great flyweights. It's going to be an exciting fight. Um, Sergio is maturing. He's only 24 years old, but, uh, this will be his fifth year in the UFC. Um, and we've just been bringing him along slow, enjoying the process and he's getting stronger every contest. And, and, uh, he's excited to test his skills against a great fighter like Joe. Well, he should be. He's a fine young man, and he's sharing the prelims with some other fighters that have shared main event status on the UFC, from Clay Guida to Charles Oliveira, who are fighting each other. You got Rashad Evans and Anthony Smith in a light heavyweight bout. The prelims alone are worth watching, and you never know what the best fight of the night's going to be in the UFC, as we all know, and it could be the very first fight, if not Joseph Benavides and Sergio Pettis putting it all on the line in the third fight of the night. Duke, I look forward to seeing you, uh, I assume. Uh, your lovely wife is going to be joining you. We're going to have the whole uh, yes, entourage there at the show yeah. and everything else. I look yeah, forward to seeing you it'll all. Be, uh, it'll be Protein Pettis. And, of course, uh, Sweet Home Chicago is the home of uh, punk. That's where he grew up, south side till he dies. And then, of course, you know, uh, you know, like Frank Sinatra said, Chicago's my kind of town. I've, because I grew up, I've competed there my whole life, and I've, uh, it's, it's basically my second home besides Milwaukee. So I, I, I love it. I'm looking forward to, uh, a very boisterous Chicago crowd, especially, uh, you know, what I love about the fights away from Vegas. Sometimes you, you probably have a lot of fun because, uh, it's packed from start to finish everyone, you know, they don't get the UFC there all the time. So I feel like when the UFC comes to this market, people go mad for it and they're there for every fight. And they're cheering from from horn to horn. That's exactly what I expect. I'm going to be a kid in a candy store Saturday night. I'm really pumped up for this. I'll be more so once I land in Chicago. I look forward to seeing you there. Beers are on me after the fight in the hotel, as usual, when I see you. And, of course, your lovely wife, AJ. I look forward to seeing you both. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. Bye. Uh, Take care. Bye-bye. He's philosophic. You know, Duke Rufus is uh, the martial artist. As much as he's, uh, you know, like the the coach, you know what I mean. He's he's always a a good guy, to kind of pick the brain of. Exactly, and there is a reason why so many fine fighters come out of Duke Rufus's training camp. There's a specific reason. We just witnessed it for ten minutes, and I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. It's his attitude, it's his approach, and it's his wisdom, along with the hardcore training he provides his fighters. So good job for him. It is an exciting night on Saturday. What's next up, TJ? Are we going in the news? Where are we at? I hate to do this, but I, you know, we're pretty much out of time when oh, it yeah. comes to uh, news and whatnot. So we'll have to table the current event discussion for next week, and I don't think anyone's going to be too upset. I mean, no, fantastic I interviews so from both Wonder Boy and and Duke Rufus. But now is as good a time as any to let everyone know that uh, they can head over to BruceBuffer.com, still purchase the championship introduction. You got a hell of a deal uh, over there, and uh, you know I, I'm always a fan of you know trials and, and testing something out and you had a good idea at the top of uh, today's uh, pre-show meeting that maybe we could just do one on the air and I emailed you the stats of my little boy Oliver and I think you might be able to give him a championship introduction so people can have a idea of what it sounds like when they actually get their their own names read over at brucebuffer.com okay let me check one thing because on my computer here that's I got it right here there you go okay yeah, okay, so here's an example, and I'll, and I'll do this for you, TJ. I don't normally do this, but you'll get a freebie right now. Make sure you cut it out. What am I saying? I do this all the time, but <laughs> let me... Make you, do sure you, it, c- you do it for the ones that you love. You do it for the ones that you love. Exactly. So now, here's an example, folks. When you go to BruceBuffer.com, you fill out the form. It's a $99 charge for the championship intro, which is far, far, far less than you know I, I would normally charge, but I've kept this special since I started it about a year and a half ago because I just want to give back. Even though it's $99, understand that I give to children, military, and animal charities, and portions of all the proceeds do go to that uh, specific three situations. So with that being said, TJ, you just sent me this. I'm going to open it up here. I'm going to break it out. Are you ready? This is how a championship introduction goes. And- 
And now, it's time, introducing the champion, fighting out of the cool kid corner. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu style fighter, undefeated except when it comes to battles with Mommy! He stands four feet one inch tall, weighing in at 50 pounds, fighting out of Chino Hills, California, USA. He is the Wickman Elementary Wildcat of the Month for April 2018, presenting Oliver Lee Pop. DeSantis! Great job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's that's exactly the way it rolls. That's the way it rolls. Then we send it to you in an audio file, and you do have the option to also get the video, which I do in front of a Ooh, blue screen. So you can have audio. That. When I do the videos, which I have a couple coming up in the uh, this week, I'll, I'll film one for Oliver, too. Oh, that's sweet of you. Thanks, Buff. My pleasure. And uh, before we sign off, TJ... A couple things real quick. Kate Spade, the fashion designer, was oh, I found saw dead. This. Yeah, very sad. An apparent suicide. None of us know what goes on in people's private lives. They claim uh, allegedly she was depressed over business problems, separation from her husband, uh, caused her to drink a lot. This is according to police officers in a report from what I'm reading here allegedly. You My, know, th- this is one thing that I just really would like to say is w- when you hear about these cases and, and someone taking their own life, it, it's usually one of two things. One, there was absolutely no signs of it whatsoever, mm-hmm. and people are just floored. Or two, it doesn't really totally surprise people, and they kind of had an idea that not necessarily maybe something like this was happening, but that they were, you know, upset and, and tormented in a certain manner. And situations like that, just, I, I mean, we all need to take it upon ourselves to make sure that, you know, ones that are very near and dear to, to our hearts are always, uh, you know, in the right spot mentally, and, and there's nothing wrong uh, with calling someone up and just asking them if they're okay and, and offering a, a hand in, in a time of need because uh, I, I'm sure anybody that was close to Kate Spade, you know, wishes they would have done that now. And I, I just got to believe that's the worst feeling in the world to uh, know that, you know, maybe the signs were there, but you ignored them or didn't want to intrude. Uh, you know, friends care. And there, there's nothing wrong uh, with ever, you know, showing that. And, and if you lose a friendship over showing concern, well... Maybe they weren't your friends to begin with, but you know, never, never feel like you should have done something when you could have. Well said, and none of us can tell, as witnessed by uh, a few years ago with the passing of Robin Williams. Right. You know, it, none of us know what goes on. In this case, money is not the cure for everything. Money does not buy you happiness. I mean, she in 1999 sold 56 percent of her company to Neiman Marcus for 33.6 million. Uh, Liz Claiborne acquired her company in 2007, and even last year, the luxury company Coach announced plans to buy the rest of, of Kate Spade for $2.4 billion. Right. Now, this lady started it from scratch, a true entrepreneur. My condolences and best wishes go out to her family, sincerely. Another note here, Conor McGregor back in the news, kind of old news in a way. He jumped LeBron James on the Forbes list as far as 2017. Uh, they have him ranked fourth, making $99 million. Again, of course, most of this cash was his fight with Floyd Mayweather. Previously, he was uh, voted number 24 in 2016 with $34 million. In earnings, uh, Floyd is still number one with 285. The other two are soccer superstars: Lionel Messi, 111 million; Cristiano Ronaldo above him with 108 million. Good for you, Connor. Now it's time to get back in the octagon. We're all looking forward to the news when and if it's going to happen, and uh, certainly looking forward to very much. One last note: Miss America has axed the swimsuit competition. There will no longer be any judging on physical appearance. It's probably emphasis from all going on in the world right now or here in the United States. That decision came down. A very uh, big decision, considering how it's been run for many, long, many, many, many long years. Also, too, getting back to the Forbes list, one little bit, TJ, not a single woman at made the Forbes Top 100 Highest Paid Athletes list. Wow. So, I don't like that. I'm sorry no, to hear that. Um, I do not like that. I especially like with all that. the women that have come to the forefront of athletics over the last few years. That's, that's surprising. Very surprising. But uh, I think it speaks for itself. And you know what? We'll analyze it a little farther maybe on next week's show. So with that being said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. TJ, anything to tell the audience? No. Uh, you know, I would appreciate it if uh, people checked out uh, my MMA show over at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash between rounds. We do a bunch of stuff. Uh, as we record this, believe it or not, it was uh, 15 years to the day 
that UFC 43 went down in Las Vegas, which was the first meeting of Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell, one of the most uh, important trilogies of our time. And I have a podcast that uh, takes a retrospective look back at UFC 43 in the show entitled Meltdown, one of the more uh, influential and pivotal shows in uh, mixed martial arts history. So uh, go give it a look, patreon.com forward slash between rounds. Very cool. Everybody check it out. And for me, I'm off to Chicago uh, next week. I'm traveling to London to film a motion picture with my brother Michael, which I cannot talk about uh, at this point until the film is about to be released. But it's a very, very cool thing we're going to do. So I'll be gone next week. We'll slip in the podcast at some point next week. Speaking of Michael, my great legendary Let's Get Ready to Rumble brother, we celebrated my brother Brian's birthday, which was Monday, and post uh my birthday two weeks before we celebrated both our birthdays together the whole family got together we had an incredible time last sunday and tj do you realize this was the uh, no you don't realize but let me tell you something michael travels so much i travel so much we talk almost every day this is the first time i've seen my brother since my birthday party last year that's how busy no kidding wow i mean i guess what what do they say like uh when you're working time flies and you know that's that's good it sounds like you've uh i mean i know you're busy and, and you always talk about how busy he is so I mean, it's a it's a something you hate to have sort of happen, but also good at the same time. Yeah, it's all cool, and you know we're both excited about the fact we'll be spending about four days together on a plane flight, and while we're in London, so it's it's something we're looking forward to as brothers. It'll be cool. All right, everybody, I'm all about family, as you know, but now I'm all about the listeners and everything that you have to do for the rest of your day. So let me say goodbye. Treat everybody around you with respect. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Pick your path. Set your goals. Learn about them. Write them down, and then step on that path and pursue that path. But while you're there, be the best you can be. That's what we got to do in life, folks. Be the best you can be in everything you do. And I wish you all the luck doing that. All right, everybody. Have a great week. TJ, thank you so much. Talk to you next week. Enjoy, everybody. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.